When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I have all my best friends are at home and I'm like, I'm going on tour. I am unreachable, basically. <laughs> like, I'm going to be working all day and I, you're living in this, like, little minute world where kind of nothing else um, around you matters, which can be really nice in a lot of ways. That's Sophie Allison, also known by her stage name, Soccer Mommy. Allison talks about her latest tour, playing on late night television shows, performing at the Museum of Indie Rock Legends Pavement in New York City, and much more. Welcome to Behind the Set List, the podcast where artists tell stories about the songs they perform live. I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. My co host, Jay Gilbert from Label Logic, isn't here to record the introduction. But he joined me to speak with Sophie Allison, a.k.a. Soccer Mommy. As Soccer Mommy, Allison released her third studio album, Sometimes Forever, in June of 2022 on the Loma Vista Recordings label. The album has received widespread acclaim. Paste Magazine gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Pitchfork's review an 8 out of 10 noted Allison's characteristic humor and wit amidst bitterness and melancholy. The Guardian's four out of five star review called Sometimes Forever Warm, Toothsome Pop with Icy Blasts of Angst. Soccer Mommy had a busy 2022 on the road. Allison and her band spent the spring touring North America and played the Governor's Ball Festival in New York in June before heading to Europe for festival and club dates through the end of September. Back in the U.S., the band performed at the Pavement Museum in New York City on October 1st, covering three pavement songs. Sophie talks a bit about pavement and 90s indie rock, a few other bands she covers, how she approaches building a set list, writing songs on the road, and much more. A few quick notes before we get going. Be sure to subscribe to Behind the Set List at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find past episodes with Kurt Smith from Tears for Fears, Andy Grammer, Ann Wilson from Heart, Josh Groban, Gavin Rossdale from Bush, and many more. You can find every episode and songs heard or mentioned in those episodes at the Behind the Set List Spotify playlist. For more Billboard podcasts, go to billboard.com backslash podcasts. And thanks for listening. So without further ado, here's Sophie Allison, Soccer Mommy, on Behind the Set List. We tend to talk about uh, talk about touring and set lists and everything, uh, but I'd like to start off with some news we saw last week that you composed an original score for the the podcast We Were Three, which is a production of New York Times and Serial Productions. Uh, I listened to the first episode, which is really good. It came out uh, just the other day, maybe last week, and your music sounds great. So. Tell us how that came to be. How did you get to do music for such a very cool podcast series? Yeah, they just honestly, they just hit me up um, via email through my manager. 
And I, at the time, was not doing anything at all. So I was like, I can totally actually do this. Um, I've always been really interested in, in the idea of getting to score something, but I'm usually so focused either with touring or, you know, writing new songs for a record and recording. Um, so there's usually not even, it's not something I've really ever gone after. Um, but I happen to have some time uh, this summer and kind of took a lot of that to, to write a bunch of stuff for this and, and then go record it. And honestly, it was really fun. It was really fun getting to write music that I didn't then have to write like, you know, a chorus for and like a, like lyrics and a hook and uh, all this stuff. It was just nice to get to write stuff that sounds nice and have fun with that. Nice. Did you record what we hear on the podcast? It's very much background music. It provides emotion and atmosphere. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, yeah. I I recorded it all. Um, cause it's pretty stripped back. It's it's mostly guitars with you know a little bit of you know bass and synths and, and some stuff here and there. But it's mostly um, guitar pieces. Um, and yeah, I just recorded it all all just like that and sent it over to him. Yeah, the set list that I'm looking at, you opened with Bones and went right into With You, but then you you went into one of my favorite tracks, which is Circle the Drain. And what I love about that is you were on the Song Exploder podcast uh, talking about that track. And I love that podcast. And it was really kind of cool to see how the sausage was made, so to speak, with that track. Talk about your intro to your shows. Is it typically sort of those songs or do you mix it up? Right now it's it's been, that set list is, you know, we there was a couple times we switched a few around, but mostly it's been that set list um, that you're probably seeing. Um so yeah, it's usually it's usually bones with you circle, um, move on to a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, I think there's a there's an art, uh, partially there's an art to crafting a set list for me because I use alternate tunings. Um, and in mm. Europe, I don't have I didn't have a guitar tech, so it was largely about uh, making all of the tunings in the same chunks. <laughs> um, but it's also you know it's about flow. You want things to be um, fun and upbeat, and then they can bring it back down for a minute uh, or get a little darker and then lighten it up again. You know, you don't, you want to have a, have, should be a roller coaster going in and out of a lot of yeah. different vibes. Yeah. I've noticed that in your set list, what you just described, because right after circle the drain, um, you go into shotgun and I noticed, I, I saw a couple of videos. You performed that, I think twice on, on TV. I think it was Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. And then on, uh, jimmy kimmel and it it sounded uh amazing thank you um and then you kind of go into this more i don't know psychedelic if that's Mm -hmm. the right word or ethereal you know when you do things like unholy affliction you know or you know darkness forever it seems like that roller coaster that you just talked about it starts from the beginning of the show right yeah no totally (laughs) I, i like to start it off fun you know like songs people know songs people are excited to hear um, I think that that's a great, you know, you're starting off the concert, like everyone's super pumped. That's a great time to play some of the, the big songs that people want to hear and then um, keep it keep it upbeat, but get into some of the, you know, deeper stuff. I like, I mean, in this per- set list, 
specifically because the new album has a few darker songs there's kind of this fall into like this evil heavier section um and then it kind of dives back out again into into like a light softer section and then back into some some you know hits and some rock stuff when we talk to artists about their thought process about making a set list sometimes they talk about not wanting to repeat moods or songs in the same key and taking listeners on a journey of highs and lows and what's your thought process about how to choose going from one song to the next song to the next song to the next song um i think i think that the the journey of highs and lows is a is a good point um you know going from song to song i like to to have a couple things that are kind of in the same mood but you know they all have a slightly different feel of course um i think not wanting to repeat keys is usually um you know you don't want to put things in the same key right next to each other most of the time but sometimes you know it just works and you're you're fine with it um i don't i don't like think of that too much to be honest it's more about tempo flow you know you want to have um sections where it's you don't want to play a super upbeat song and then drop down to a solo song and then another upbeat song and then you know a really slow one you want to kind of keep people excited for certain portions of the set and then let there be I like to have a, a section that's kind of like stripped back or solo songs or, you know, um, just more subdued songs. Um, that's just a couple songs long um, to be this portion of, you know, a little bit more intimate moment. And then when we come back, it's nice to break into something that feels bigger and more exciting. Um, you know, you don't want to have people falling asleep. You don't want to lull them to sleep and then not be able to wake them back up and get them back excited. Um, and I think, I think having that kind of pacing where it's upbeat and fun, and then maybe you throw in a couple of the ones that are a little bit more, um, you know, slow or heavy or whatever. And then you kind of bring it back to, you know, Oh, maybe throw in a song that somebody that everybody loves. That's one of the bigger songs to bring you out of that. Um, I think that pacing can really help not only keep people excited through the whole show, um, and intrigued through the whole show, but also it makes the show go by quick. You know, it makes it feel like, like that, you know, it was just like nobody ever sitting around bored. Um, cause even when there's something that's a little bit slower or moodier or darker, it's, um, it's like intriguing for a minute, you know, it's only a few songs and then you can kind of break out of it back into songs people can dance to again or something like that. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite parts of this set list uh, that you put together, which, by the way, I made a little um, Spotify playlist and listened to it to kind of get the mm. feel for it, too. And one of the areas that I didn't think it was going to work, but it worked remarkably well. You know, a minute ago, we talked about kind of that ethereal, psychedelic, you know, unholy affliction and darkness forever. But you go from there and then you jump right into more of, you know, catchy, poppier, you know, loosey. Uh, feel it all the time and it it works and it's like you kind of you're taking people on that journey and you go down that maybe darker path a little bit and then all of a sudden you let people off the hook mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> totally I think that's the best way to do it you know you don't want to oversaturate any specific feeling you know y you want to be able to have it be fun and also people get to hear their favorite ones that aren't as 
I mean, they're still fun, but you know, they're not as just upbeat and like lighthearted. Um, but you want, you want to get to play all that stuff and you've just got to pace it out. Right. Otherwise it just can be like, I've been to shows where I'm exhausted <laughs> and I feel really tired no matter how much I love the band. Like, I'm just like, I might have to leave early. Um, <laughs> and you don't want to have that happen. <laughs> right. In this set, the Glasgow set, you played Pavement Song here from their album Slanted and Enchanted, I think 1992. You've covered some other Pavement songs in the, in the past, I think. It sounds like maybe you're a, a fan of 90s indie rock. Uh, is that safe to say? I am, yes. Does your audience, is your audience know Pavement too? Is that, do they get a reaction when, the, when you play that song? Yes. You know, I think Pavement specifically is a band that has become, like, I think with my generation has become very big. Um, you know, it kind of had like another surge. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seemed like people seem to love it. I, when we played that song specifically, we were uh, gearing up to do this cover set, this Pavement cover set, and we wanted to practice one of them. And it was our last show of tour. And I... I said I was going to play a favorite song and everyone was really excited. So I think that, um, you know, I think that people, people from my audience do really like it. I think they're, they're specifically really a band that, um, has had this like huge renaissance, um, like 20 years after, um, that is, it's interesting how that kind of stuff happens. But, um, yeah, even when I was in high school, everybody loved pavement. You played pavement museum if it's if a museum is the right word for it pavements yes. 1933 <laughs> to 2022 uh, in new york that ran i think it was september 29th to october 2nd or something yeah. like that and then that's going to end up in the pavements in pavements hometown of stockton california tell us about those performances and, and being involved in that it was it was really fun i mean it was uh it was something that we were dying to do, honestly, because we all, like, me and all the people that are in my live band, like, love pavement. And, um, yeah, so we had to basically, we had to learn the songs. We had to do three songs. We had to learn them on tour uh, while we were in Europe, which was a little strange. That's the first time I've um, done something where I haven't had time to actually have a, a real rehearsal uh, and have only done it at soundcheck. But I don't know. You know, we all knew the songs pretty well, and it's just they're pretty straightforward you know and just like fun um so it was a really good time it kind of felt like I was doing karaoke um <laughs> in a really strange way uh but yeah it was it was awesome it was it was really good are you able to change up your set list on the fly or do you have uh you know things set with lights and video screens or whatever it is where you really can't alter it do you ever change things up uh, just have a idea and just play a song that maybe you didn't plan on playing right away? No, but I'm hoping we can do that a bit more um, in the future because it really it's just me and the two, uh, we have three guitar players and we all use alternate tunings. So it can be very, uh. you know, you can't just throw, throw a song out and um, <laughs> not have everybody need a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that once we have a, a guitar tech and we're bringing more guitars on the road, um, that we'll be able to do that. Uh, even with like having lights programmed and stuff, I think um, 
that it'll be per song. So, you know, as long as we uh, just say it before the set, at least. Um, yeah, how do you but keep yeah, track? we usually don't switch it up. Honestly, uh, I'm, I, we're pretty I mean, good. Do you at have a certain guitar that you always have? Maybe a drop D. That's what I do on? currently. Yeah. yeah, I have. I have so you one know guitar that that, in open A, yeah. one guitar in standard, and then there's like you know one or two songs that are in just some strange tuning for no reason, um, and I just know I'm gonna have to tune for those. But yeah, I I usually like to, to bring out three guitars so I can kind of avoid having to do that at all. But um, when you're flying overseas, it is very difficult to do that. So, so talk about the band um, right now, if you could. The time I saw you perform, it was, I believe, 2018 Record Store Day. Mm-hmm. You played Third Man in Nashville. Oh, yeah. And yeah. four years ago, the band was tight. You sounded fantastic. All the live recordings I've seen since then, you sound great. Is it the same band you've had over the years? It is not. Um, it has changed a lot. There, there's pro- That was probably a couple drummers ago. Um, different bass player now. I don't think we had our third guitar player, synth player at that point. Um, so the band is the only person that's been around that long that's still there is Julian um, and me, obviously. Um, but yeah, everybody else has been... Uh, Rodrigo, who plays keys and guitars, has been around for like probably like three years, I want to say. I think it was like 2019, when the end of 2019 when he joined. And Rollin, the, the drummer, is like two years, something like that. And then the bass player is very new, um, about a year. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's it feels, I mean, great, and it still feels very tight. And I think it's tighter than ever, but um, it's definitely changed around many times <laughs> tell us about playing on late night tv i mentioned that you know you'd perform shotgun on a couple of late night tv shows is it odd playing before a studio audience and tv cameras or is it just another gig and do you get to talk to the host much? What's that experience like? It's a little strange. Um, you know, some situations the setup is less strange. Um, and I think, I think honestly, it mostly has to do with whether it sounds good. If it sounds weird up there and in the room and you're in this weird scenario, it can be very strange. Um, but if the room is sounding great, you know, and there's lights and stuff, it, you can kind of talk yourself out of it a little bit. Um, you know, cameras aren't going to be like standing right in your face, like just the whole time or something. Um, but yeah, no, so it's, it's not that sometimes they're better than others, but it's, it's not bad at all. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, you talk to the host a little, you know, you say, hello, how you doing? You know, some quick chat, but usually they're usually like, they kind of, um, the way they film it, they're like filming the episode and they come kind of do the, um, the music part. So they're, you know, busy doing other stuff. You know, I think decades ago, late night TV, it would have like an immediate sales boost. It was a lot more people watching, obviously. And now, even though I don't watch mm-hmm. it, I, I, I see so many videos online of people playing late night TV. I'm wondering what you think about the promotional value, because even though I didn't see it live, I've seen you play Fallon. I've seen the YouTube videos numerous times. 
I mean, they you look great. They sound great. They're professional. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad artists do these late night shows, even though I don't see it live. So I don't know if it, it matters um, if I'm not there watching it because I'll see it eventually. How do you approach that from a promotional point of view? Yeah, I, I honestly have no clue how much it means. Um, it seems like it still is a big thing based on, you know, how, how like labels feel about it and stuff like that. Um, and I, I imagine that even if it's not live, just having the, you know, a nicely recorded live video and um, that's attached to, you know, a big YouTube channel for one and that also just something for, for fans to see and, and things like that. Um, gets it out to a wider audience. So I think that it probably still does a lot of good, but I don't know. It's hard, it is hard to tell because not a lot of people are, I, I think, um, at least not a lot of people my age are watching the the live episode unless it's me in the hotel room at midnight. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely still a lot of people who do watch it. Um, I just do wonder how much it actually correlates to, you know, how many people are watching it to find new music. I have no clue. No idea. You look like you're having a blast when you play songs like Don't Ask Mm -hmm. Me. Are there certain songs that you really uh, look forward to playing? I mean, you look forward to playing all of your songs, but are there some that you like a little bit more than others that you're you really like to play live? Uh, Don't Ask Me is definitely one of those. Um, I've been really liking Darkness Forever. Feel it all the time, too. I, I really like playing. Uh, but yeah, I've actually, I've grown to like, for a long time I didn't like playing your dog um, because I just got so tired of playing it. Uh, you know, it was at a time yeah. we were playing really short yeah. sets and it was always on the set list. Um, and now we play it again and it's really fun. You know, just because it's, people are always really excited about hearing it and it's just like, it's uh, easy to lock in with, with the band. So it's just, yeah. it's just feels good. But yeah. You drop in some cover songs every now and then. Um, some that we've seen recently, Dagger by Slow Dive, another great band from the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen. Um, and Drive yeah. by The Cars. What a great song by The Cars. Jay, who yeah. did we talk to recently who, who yeah, covered The Cars? Was it Bush? 311, I think. Oh, wow. Nice. Are you a Cars fan, or are you just a fan of, of the song Drive? Because I imagine, I mean, that, that works pretty well in your set. Uh, oh, no, I'm, a, I'm definitely a Cars fan. I'm a fan of all of those people. I don't think I could ever, I would ever bother and cover, like, to cover someone um, who I only liked that song. It would seem um, like something, I don't know, not not as in, important, like... But yeah, I love all of those artists and I definitely love the cars. I wouldn't even say that's probably their best song, but it is a great, it's very like romantic and nostalgic and crooning. I I was talking to a musician once who said that he plays for free, that they pay him to travel. 
And I wanted to run that by you because it's so challenging now to coming out of the pandemic and the price of gas and everything seems to be more expensive and it's hard to get tour buses. And do you still enjoy uh, touring uh, even with the travel? Yes, I do. Honestly, um, even even when we're having a day where we have to drive six hours in a terrible van or something, I still have a great time. I love waking up every day and knowing I'm going to do something I didn't do yesterday. Um, but also knowing that there's only about two hours where I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do everything I did yesterday. Um, because I think that I, I like a schedule, but I like there being a allotted amount of time where I can go do anything. And there's like this like magical feeling of like, what are we, what are we going to do for dinner? what are we going to do? Like, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you never know what you're going to find in some city, um, walking around. And I, I love all that stuff. And I love having an off day and being able to like, you know, go, go on an adventure kind of with, with the people you're, who are your friends that you're traveling with. Um, so I still, I still love it. I think I'll like it even more if I'm in a bus. Um, and I can have a little more time to explore, but, uh, I definitely still enjoy the, the travel aspect and going all over the place. And it does kind of allow you to live in this weird bubble where you like, you know, I have all my best friends are at home and I'm like, I'm going on tour. I am unreachable basically. (laughs) Like I'm going to be working all day and I, you're living in this like little minute world where kind of nothing else, um, around you matters. Um, which can be really nice in a lot of ways. You've played a lot of festivals this year. Um, Mm -hmm. Beale street music festival in Memphis, which I think is a a really underappreciated one. You did governor's ball Mm -hmm. in New York, end of the road festival in England. How do you like playing festivals? Do you get to be a fan and actually enjoy that experience a little bit while you're there? Um, it depends, to be honest. Um, I, I love some things about festivals and I hate other things. Um, the show is never going to be great. (laughs) I mean, most of the time when you go play a festival show, you don't even get a sound check and you just kind of learn to be like, okay, this is a festival show. Like we're going to play and have fun, but this is not where it's going to be like the greatest performance of our lives and the like the greatest sounding thing that we've ever done. Um, so that, that can, you know, that makes it not as, as fun from that standpoint, but also it's, you know, when you're doing these, uh, playing lots of shows where you're sound checking for hours and then, you know, having to wait and then do this line check and do all, all this stuff, it can be kind of nice to just have it be really low stakes. Um, and, you know, most you're just kind of hanging out and maybe, yeah, walking around and seeing other music. Uh, sometimes you really get to... It, it depends on the how the lineup happens to be. Sometimes you go to a festival and you can go see, like, multiple bands you're dying to see. Sometimes you go and you're dying to see this one person and it's just, like impossible to actually manage to do that or you know maybe they're like oh we have to escort you um like out of the festival right after you play or something you know because you're in some weird place um so there's there's lots of different layers to it but at at a 
like at a perfect festival, yes, you can see some some artists that you love. You can play a show and it's just, you know, it's whatever. It's it's fun. You know, you're just having a good time. It's it's not perfect, but it's it's fine. Um, so yeah, it depends on if I'm in a good mood, I guess, whether I like them or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How challenging is it for you to write songs when you're on the road? Um, to be honest, I haven't done it in a while, writing on the road, but I, ha- I just haven't needed to. Um, I've had enough time at home. It, it hasn't usually been hard because I, I mean, actually, one of the songs I wrote recently, I started when I was on the road. So there's an example. I think when I, when I want to write, I will make a time to write. Um, or at least start the idea and and save it so that when I get home I can dig in and get the you know all the lyrics and all of that kind of stuff. But um, most of, most of the hard part, honestly, is getting that those that guitar that those chords or that progression or whatever um, down because that's what kind of inspires the rest of it. You're off the road now. You have some podcast credits under your belt. Uh, what comes mm-hmm. next? Um, honestly, just working on, working on stuff for the next album. Hopefully I'll, uh, finish quickly (laughs) and I can start recording as soon as possible. Um, but I, it is not done. I don't have anything done, but, um, yeah, I just, I just want to keep, keep working on new songs. Um, for the meantime, if anything else comes up, that's exciting. I'll definitely try to do it, but in the meantime, just touring and, working on writing new songs. Thanks for listening to Behind the Set List. Be sure to subscribe and follow us at your favorite streaming platform. You can check out our Spotify playlist titled Behind the Set List that contains every episode and songs heard or mentioned in the episodes. For more Billboard podcasts, go to billboard.com backslash podcasts.